Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and engineers that took Chemistry 101 sometime in their college career. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Doman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 326. Before we jump into this podcast, uh, MacFab is hiring. We're always hiring, but... Um, we have an, a position for a test engineer level three. So that's like a senior level test engineer position. Um, go to macrofab.com slash jobs and go apply. There's like a couple of engineering. There's almost every single position is hiring at MacFab right now. Y'all are, yeah, like you said, you're, you're hiring all the time. I've checked every once in a while just to see like how you guys are doing. And there's just, there's always new positions. So yeah. well, uh, just out of curiosity, what, what does a test engineer do at Macrofab? Uh, so a test level three um, test will do uh, <laughs> yeah, not uh, not really testing things. They uh, they test the tests that customers give us um, validation, some development work, depending on the customer. Uh, managing third parties for like third-party engineering firms. Are they um, are they like setting up and, and adjusting test jigs and things like if a, if a customer has something like they're the person who makes sure that it works. Yeah, yeah. So they might be at, at a test engineer level three might be also in like the uh, new product introduction meetings mm. as like a lead um, for um, make like make, giving advice uh, to customers about testing that kind of stuff that's doing cool. uh, design for uh, testing dft work um kind of like what my current job is i guess right now at macrofab i i feel um, like throughout the uh time you, your time at macrofab you've worked every one of these even if it's not like your actual position you know that, that no it's true <laughs> yeah um and then in our twitch chat Gadget Junkie, who is one of our software developers at Macrofab, is saying software developers are also hiring. So if you go to macrofab.com slash jobs, everything is there. Go apply. Um, we've had podcasts before where we talk about like the HR pit of doom. We don't have that at Macrofab. Like if you were actually applying for like an engineering position, I'll probably be the one that's looking at your resumes first uh, and, and also interviewing you. <laughs> Watch so, out, Parker. You're going to have like 5,000 emails tomorrow. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, and a lot, of the a lot of the jobs are remote too, so you don't have to be in Houston, Texas. Now, for test engineer level three, that's probably going to be a Houston, Texas location. Um, so you're going to have to like to live in Texas for that one. <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, how many software devs do you have now? You probably have a big team, right? Oh, let's see. Let me check. Gadget Junkie it's could probably changed. just spit it out. Over 20 right now. Over 20. Wow. Cool. Very good. Yeah. So, um, that's probably not like if you include like the product team, it's probably way more than that, too. Um, yeah, it's getting what, what? What's our official number at right now? Like headcount? You're over 100, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at. 179 right now, according to uh, our Slack main channel. 179 people. Wow. Yeah. Targeting 30 we were... by 30 software devs by the end of this year. Wow. 
You guys are growing. Oh, inclu- yeah, it's it's getting insane. Okay, on with the podcast episode. Um, so last week we talked about um, this Reddit post about uh, discussing a way to MacGyver a way to measure a voltage without a multimeter. Um, our Slack channel, our public Slack channel had a lot of good suggestions and like kind of like almost went down like history lane of like devices that measure voltage. Um, the biggest problem with a lot of those devices was you have to do a lot of experimentation to f- actually like get a number, like you have to calibrate them. Um, or you'd have to have much, like precise ways of like measuring distances. Like this is what we're talking about with like forces. Like mm. we like if you use diffraction uh, of like water or something like that. Um, the the margin of error would require you to have something very precise to measure them. Well, or 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 in building a device, you have to have something that's precise to build the device itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lathe or a uh, or a um, a milling machine, or, or scale or scales for weighing materials and yeah. things of that. Sort. Yeah, that was I, that was one of our first ideas was using a scale and then measuring like electromagnetic force. And um, the problem with that is you then you need a scale is actually an easy thing that like a balance beam would be pretty easy to make. Mm-hmm. On the other on the flip side, of that though is having precision weights. <laughs> to right. use that beam scale doesn't really work out. You know, um, I, I think we should revisit the stipulations of this uh, this question <clears throat> because we I, I feel like as we were talking about it last week, we were like creating stipulations as we did it. As uh, we were going. Yeah, as true. we were going, but but just sort of remembering where we were, it, it kind of, like, it started with this question of like, how do you MacGyver a way to measure voltage? And then it ended up being like, desert island kind of thing you're like you're stranded on an island and there is something that has a voltage on it and you want to measure that so if you were stranded on an island and you had just like what's kind of around you how do you measure voltage the one thing that we said we were we would allow was what a pint glass right well it was just like a container a a container yeah of of a known volume right well so it's not really we were allowing a container it was more of a rule on using the least amount of things and the least amount of measuring tools possible. Right. And you don't have any available like precision ways to make things. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, so that that what that's kind of like the rule set is minimize how many tools you would need, minimize how many measuring ways to be able like a micrometer or a a uh, a multimeter, <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> a uh, uh, calipers, stuff like that, uh, a scale. The least amount of tools you can uh, get away with. Yeah. And so we, so Stephen and I kind of came up with this idea of, it's really Stephen's idea of using electrolysis um, to basically generate hydrogen. And then back calculate the current uh, involved, and I thought that was such a brilliant idea that 
I actually went down and started writing out like, okay, how do you, what kind of formulas do you need to make this thing actually work? And then what kind of tools and measuring devices would it require to make this work? Um, and that was where Steven said a pint glass, anything that you have a known volume of. And the great thing about most containers in the world nowadays is the volume is printed on it because they have to sell by the volume of liquid that's in them. Yeah. So like I have a, a mineral water container here and it says 12 fluid ounces, 355 milliliters. So if you're on a desert island, the a good chance there's trash. Human trash is everywhere <laughs> on this planet. And so you can probably find a container that you know the volume of. And th th this is one thing we talked about after the podcast was um, you can't derive voltage knowing nothing in terms of like measuring something. You have to be able to measure something is what we basically boiled down to. Like you can't, you have to be able to have one thing measured regardless if you know any of the variable constants or anything like that or the equations. You have to be able to measure one thing to get to another thing. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing just volume you can, I think, get most of the way there with the voltage. And, uh, well, and a watch. We have to have a watch, too. So, we, yeah, so, we have two measurement tools. Yeah, we have two tools. One, you have to have a known volume container. And then two is a watch. And then you should be able to calculate the voltage using electrolysis, uh, uh, basically, for... for because basically, the end, what you're doing is you're calculating the hydrogen content. Yeah. And there's a little bit of assumptions make. that go into this as well. So Yeah, there are some, some assumptions. Yeah. So like the first one is, let's just say you have distilled water. So you, and you can distill water fairly easily by just cooking the water off and then um, collecting the, the water vapor. I think you said a palm leaf. No, a like, banana leaf. so you adamant just, yeah. about that. Is that like in a, from a movie or something? I don't no no like it just came to mind like banana leaves are really big so you just drape a banana leaf over some kind of pot that you're boiling and then it'll condense on the backside of the banana leaf and roll off into whatever jar you want so you can do some desert island distillation pretty easily. Okay, okay. So it could be a palm leaf. Uh, it's just banana leaves are big and flat and easy to work with. Okay. Um so that's the, my first assumption was you have to make distilled water because it makes the equations a lot easier in terms of like figuring out um basically how much voltage you need uh is required um so i found a website because uh, we are not chemists on this podcast so if you are a chemist out there go and we say something wrong come complain to us in our slack channel <laughs> yeah, correct com slash slack um or on twitter too you can complain to us too there um i Doing our best here as electrical engineers. <laughs> we know the zappy part. The all the rest yeah. of the stuff is is magic. Yeah, um, but uh, we do know as engineers, electrical engineers, I should say, current times time gives us coulombs. Okay, so that's our first step because because chemists like to work in moles of things which is a really weird concept uh 
which I I had to refresh myself on what a mole was. Um, I still don't really remember anymore. <laughs> um, besides it being like a furry little animal that likes to dig in the ground, right? It's a certain quantity of furry little animals that dig in the ground, right? Yeah, yeah certain quantity, yes. <laughs> um, but the bridge between like moles and electrons is this thing called coulombs, which is just a unit, a charge. Um, and uh, so using that, uh, there was this nice website that Purdue, the chemistry department at Purdue has, that has a lot of different equations about hydrolysis and how, or electrolysis, uh, electrolysis I should say, and how it, uh, all the different, how the, all the different formulas interact with each other, basically. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't one where the inputs was time and volume gives you voltage. <laughs> so we had to make one up or well, there's a little bit more to it than there's, there's further stages beyond that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so the first thing is let's go, let's go with the volume route. So if you know your volume, let's go and find coulombs, right? So if you have a known volume, how much, uh, a known volume of, we're going to say hydrogen gas. Okay, because that's what we're making. We're making a known volume of hydrogen gas with electrolysis. If you know, have a known volume, how much coulombs of charge charge are you, you need? So it's basically boils down to volume times one mole of hydrogen or H2 um, divided by 22.4 liters, which is such a weird number. It's, it's a constant, which is the standard pressure or standard temperature pressure of one mole of any gas is 22.4 liters, which is kind of crazy to think about. Hmm. Um, and uh, times basically how much electrons it takes to make uh, or how many, basically the ratio between electrons to hydrogen H2 molecules, which is two electrons per H2 uh, molecule. Um, then times like this conversion to Faraday, which is one Faraday per one mole of electrons, which is, it's a mole of electrons, which is like funny to think about too, but that it's chemistry. It's a quantity right? of stuff, right? It's a quantity of stuff. Um, and then you convert Faraday into Coulombs which is 96,485 coulombs per Faraday. And that gives you coulombs. So now we have an equation that goes from volt uh, volume of hydrogen. Basically, we're using the formula for electrolysis, which is four electrons in plus four uh, molecules of water, H2O, yields us two hydrogen twos and four... Uh, what was it? Hydroxide, right? Oh, uh, yeah. OH minus. Yeah. OH minus hydroxide, uh, which I first looked at that and said hydrogen oxide and it seems like, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, it's correct. But it's not Rusty, water. It. Rusty water. Rusty <laughs> water. <laughs> um, but so that's that's where you get the relationship. Um, this is like chemistry 101, like day two in class. It feels like right now. 
trying to remember all this stuff. It, it, what what um, it is for me is is chemistry where I'm uh, one on one day two where I'm like, oh god, this I have to know this. Ugh. You have to know this. <laughs> and this is the thing: when you were in school, you were like, I'm never going to use this ever as electrical engineer. <laughs> Guess what? Today yes, is the day. The oh. reckoning. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm still getting a C on the exam. <laughs> C for Coulomb. That's right. Oh no, I was I got lower lower KCs, not capital KCs. Lower KCs. <laughs> okay, so the, um, that gives us volume to Coulombs. Now we need to bring in the uh, what was it? I'm looking at my notes real quick. Um. Uh, where does current come from? Oh, current is just Ohm's law. We know that one. <laughs> that, you know, that, that one's straightforward. V equals current times R. Flip it around. Voltage divided by resistance uh, equals R current. And so now we have, and then we use the relationship between current times time equals Coulomb now. So we plug all that in together, do a little arranging of all the all the unknowns to one side. Um, and then what we want to know on the other side, we get volt voltage equals the volume times 8,614.72. I basically combined all the known constants and stuff into one number times the resistance in ohms divided by the time it took for this to happen. So how long did it take you to make that volume of hydrogen basically? Gives you volts. So the only thing that we don't know now is ohms. Yeah, the resistance um, of the water. And you can't and you can't measure it because then you would have a multimeter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, okay. So and this is where some of the uh, I guess the uh, uh, there's a little bit of assumptions that go on here, and and also this MacGyver guy just knows all of these equations and knows a lot of just like. Uh, baseline things like constants and and things of that sort. So we're, oh yeah, he's smart. He's smart. So we're just we're allowing infinite knowledge uh, in, in this. Uh, so the thing is, I I did a handful of calculations on finding the resistance of water. Um, I did it two ways: if it were to be distilled water and if it were to be salt water. And the the part of the that there's some assumptions in here is you have to know the volume of what you're passing your current through and mm -hmm. the assumptions was basically parker and i just parker had a topo chico bottle uh and and he was like this it's this so i made just some basic assumptions about the the length and width of it and the the, the reason i was okay with doing assumptions on this is i changed the volume uh, after I had calculated with my assumptions, I changed the volume to see the impact on the uh, the the resistance values, and it has an impact, but not so much so that I like. Yeah, sure, there's some error in there, but it's I'm not gonna uh, worry about it if I got a Topo Chico bottle off by three or four centimeters. Like the the gross resistance value of the water in it is will be plenty good enough. So <clears throat> for distilled water. Uh, the resistivity of of distilled water is 18.2 mega ohms centimeters and uh if you calculate that out with my assumptions on the, on this bottle that you would be passing current through you end up with a total resistance of about 2. Point, uh, or 24 
0.1 mega ohms. So pretty high resistance uh, in something like that. But if instead of filling the bottle with distilled water, you do seawater, which seawater has a uh, average resistivity of about 20 ohm centimeters. So not 18 mega ohm centimeters, 20 ohm centimeters. You end up with a total resistance in the bottle of something around 1.84 kilo ohms. And that's a lot more uh, reasonable. Like it could be done with, with the distilled water. You'd just be there just take forever, a lot right? So let's go with the seawater and just make it go zippy fast. So 1.84 K is what I came up with. Interesting, because uh, so what you could do is you can do the spark gap test and figure out how energetic it is, and then figure out if you want to use salt water or distilled water at that point. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, who? Yeah, because you don't know what the voltage is. You don't know if it's going to take forever or if it's just going to explode the second you explode the it. moment you put those leads in the water. <laughs> right. Well, cool. So that's that. I. I what we should do is write out that ohm calculation mm. with those variables, uh, like the basically the, the volume calculation of the of whatever container you have. Yeah, and then because um, it probably also depends on how close the leads are together, or does it? Uh, yeah, it's it's making the assumption that the leads are at the ends of a cylinder, effectively. Okay. Oh, so like the cylinder is like long ways then. Yeah, hot dog style. Okay, okay. So we probably should, like, I'll probably, like, because I'm going to actually draft this up into a blog post. Yeah. Uh, probably won't make the macrofab blog, but definitely my page. <laughs> your, your own personal and, one, yeah. And then um, put in, like, here's a diagram of our container with all the variables that you'd have to measure. And then what I want to do is actually, like, figure out what that tolerances because that's where the, most of our error is going to come from is that ohm calculation and then figure out what the error generated in becomes and then figure out how that ends up impacting our our voltage i think if you wanted to get really fancy instead of doing a volume calculation if you just assume that you have the c available that is in effect an infinite volume right if you just took two uh, two leads and put them some distance apart in the ocean and applied current through it, you would get some kind of current distribution that flowed between the two. The problem is how, you don't you know the capture. You, you don't know the distance between the two leads, right? And so, how do you calculate the resistance between those two leads? Yeah, and you have to you have to have something that captures it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right. So, if, in other words, if they were if they were uh, the leads were two inches apart and you you had your captured thing uh, above jar, it, it would just capture it, yeah. all the uh all the hydrogen that comes off of it yeah i wonder how much that current falls off and so let's say you had a a bathtub of salt water at this point or yeah. a big container you know and then you took let's say you had a jar you put it on i'm trying to figure out how you build this thing okay mm -hmm. and you put the jar in the water and you bring it up and so that like you know it creates a, a suction so it holds the water above the uh, above the surface right and then you put your leads underneath it yeah so that any gas generated between the leads goes into the jar yeah okay what is the resistance between those two leads at that point yeah i see you, see, you start getting into some calculus problems now uh because you have yeah. to you have to 
you have to do a much more like interesting volumetric calculation as opposed to like a standard like cylindrical resistor calculation with resistivity. Well, the thing is, though, is what I'm getting at here is there's a fall off to where it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Where the error of your your total volume or total space, I guess, <laughs> just falls off. There's a limit, right? It's a limit problem. Yeah. So it falls off eventually. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a calculus problem. It's like a three-dimensional uh, problem where you have to look at, like, the current's going to flow least resistance between the wires, right? And then yeah. be some distribution around that. Yeah. And now we're getting into some really complex stuff. Yeah. So what's going to be interesting is, could you have just done a straight line between them? And is that good enough? Well, uh, the answer is there will be some error. What is that error? I don't know. You know, yeah, is that so like 20% of the real value? Is it 98% of the real value? I'm not sure. Yeah, that that's going to be the interesting thing is if you just did, because you can just look up like the straight line distance in water, both salt water, or whatever for resistance. Um, is, is that close enough? Like, I mean, you could, you could, okay, the thing is, you could, the equation for, uh, resistance in a uh, in a in a thing is is you know it involves your resistivity it involves the length of whatever the resistance is it involves the surface area of it so if you think of like a, a cylinder with length you could collapse the radius of your resistor and just keep making it smaller but keep the length the same and mm -hmm. and get some you know as you do that your your resistance would drop but you'd get closer to no, you, know, a straight line, go, basically. Your resistance should go up. Um, hang on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, your resistance should go up as your surface area goes uh, down. down. Yes, correct. Because because your, your, your surface area is um is in the denominator. So yeah, it uh, it it should go up as you go to uh thinner and thinner of the line. Yeah. Interesting. We have to run. The, you got to send that spreadsheet over so I can take a look at at the calculations and actually like do some testing. Yeah, I mean it'd be fun to actually like probe some water and see what resistance we get. You know. Yeah, and I want to see like, is there a simpler way? Can you just like assume that it's just going to go straight shot through? Well, I think one thing like, one thing you could do is you know you have your bottle. Uh, I think you'd mentioned this earlier. Like strip end of whatever wire or however you're connecting this in yeah. and put that down at the bottom of your bottle and put your other conductor right at the top of your bottle and now you you effectively have a cylinder with connections on top and bottom you're yeah you still got to capture that though the i'm i'm still trying to visualize how you cap you have to capture all the gas too right but couldn't you okay so fill that with your water and then put that underwater you, you yes. your path would still be through the bottle through the the yeah. volume in the bottle so I guess that's a practical way of limiting it. Because mm -hmm. what I was thinking is you could have the bottle upside down full of liquid right underwater too. And then you put your two electrodes really close to each other at the entrance of it. Well, but what? If, OK, so what if <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm adding stipulations here? What if you had two bottles, one for capturing and one for generating? Maybe, but I'm just trying to think of like, again, does the, if you have the, the anode and cathode close together, 
does it matter that how big your container is at that point or where it's at? Oh, no, 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 it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And that's, yeah, and that's sort of uh, what I was saying earlier. Like, if you just stuck some leads in the ocean and pass current through it, it's going to happen. But it's hard to calculate the the resistance then. It's not impossible. It's hard. What's interesting is um, this leads us to our next question here which was uh, an interesting electrical engineering homework question that it was on Reddit, uh, I think last week. And it's a, let me, I'll post, I'll post the link in our live chat real quick. Oh, and uh, bro, Cobby Smith, sorry to, I'm going to change topics back reverse gear right now is um, bro. Cobby Smith says, uh, would there be a, some way to connect a unknown voltage to a motor and try to gauge voltage by RPMs? Yes, you could do that. But one, you would need the voltage to RPM output chart for that motor. And then two, you would need a device to measure the RPM. And I... One is... Well, we, sure said, you, we, we can, said you'd have a, a watch. Yeah, you'd have a watch, but so I guess you could probably try to estimate how fast it's rotating at. Um, but then you would need the chart to figure that out. And I actually have not seen like a when I've looked at motors, I have not seen a like a DC motor like voltage to out RPM output. Usually they have a rated voltage and then what the RPM output is at that voltage. There's no sliding chart for that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, not they're, they're it's not intended linear. for one voltage. Yeah, they're intended for one. You, they have one rated voltage usually. Right. Um, I haven't seen a chart for one. That'd be awesome if there was, because then you, that would be pretty easy. Yeah. So, like, open up a drill, power drill trash that you found and pull its electrical motor out. <laughs> you, there's there's all kinds of interesting tra- trash on this desert island. Yeah, which by the way, I a uh, quick quick tangent. I love this desert island thing. I kind of think that maybe in the future we should have more desert island questions, where it's like you're stranded on a desert island and you need to know the beta decay of this particular <laughs> radioactive thing. How do you find that out? How do you find out? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think even 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 like okay, you have to measure something more simple like you know we've been doing voltage. yeah 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 it's something no, no. some other thing that's simple like i that would be fun yeah um yeah again the only problem with that one bro Kyrie smith is is you don't know the relationship between voltage and rpm output um unless I, you did i get well i guess the one you thing know is- you know zero is zero rpm and then you know whatever is stamped on the motor usually I get well. The thing about it is, maybe you plug it up to this random voltage source, and it turns at its intended RPM. You then know what the voltage is. Yeah, you get just lucky. Yeah, you get lucky. Yeah, I'm on this desert island, and there's 24 volts here. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) The um, I'd love like unless I'm completely wrong about motor PDF like data sheets having that chart in it i just never seen one so i wonder if i should go after after this podcast i'll actually go grab a, a dc motor 
in like my part bin and look it up and see if I can find a chart like that and like its data sheet. Cause that'd be cool. You know, one of the hard things about measuring the resistance of water, if you just wanted to say, put two leads in the water and just know the resistance in between them is you would have to, you would have to know how far apart they are. You'd have to measure that. Yeah. Um, that's what I was saying is like, how close can you guesstimate? And it actually affect the overall reading, basically. Right. Like, can can you get away with a tape measure? Oh, probably. So you know, you're the best you're going to do is at that point a sixteenth of an inch, right? I guess technically, it, what is it? Half of that. So you actually would have one thirty seconds. So oh six two five. Um, inches. Hmm. Anyways, back to what we were getting at is there. Someone posted a, uh, a human potato hybrid is their username on on Reddit. Posted a uh, his homework question. Uh, basically, it's like a grid of resistors and uh, finding if you were if you were take your multimeter and probe each node, what resistance would you get? And I like this question a lot because it really relates to what I do a lot is in circuit testing. Yeah, we and, were, um, last week we were talking about that classic homework uh, assignment. Um, I, I, we didn't talk about it on the podcast, we were talking about it in the pregame, but yeah. that classic one of the resistor ladder, the infinite resistor ladder that the goes infinite up. resistor ladder, which is very similar to measuring the resistance between two points in like salt water. Yeah. Yeah. Except that instead of a resistor network, it is uh, the resistance between all the discrete atoms in that entire grid. Cause again, what happens is there's a limit to the formula. Right. And it averages out. Well, not average out it limits out. Well, yeah, there I mean, is a, a discrete value. Discrete limit. Yeah. Yeah. So this homework assignment is actually, I really like this one because it totally flips everything on its head and it's its just goofy. It's a, its just a regular like homework problem, but I've never seen it asked this way. This way. Most usually of the time it's asked it's the like, other way. Yeah, it's asked the other way where it's like, here's the value of every single resistor in this equation or in this circuit. Uh, it's like, what's the parallel combination of all of them? Or like what's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in, in this one, it says... It, you don't know the value of each discrete resistor. It just says when you probe across this, your meter reads this. And when you this. probe across this other one, it reads that. And then you have to go and back calculate the resistor. That's super cool. And yeah. that's actually useful that, if you ask me. Yeah, it's actually it, what I was saying earlier is it's it's in circuit testing. Yeah. So if you have this network of resistors and, and so you. Yeah, sure. You could desolder each one and, and measure each one individually, or you do it this way and then save you a bunch of work. I, Write some Excel formulas to give you the answer. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, and this has five resistors and you get five measurements, so you can just make a network of equations and uh, back calculate uh, the resistance of each one of these. But what I really like about this is uh, what it what it kind of trains is for things like um, circuit testing and doing failure analysis and you know finding problems on boards. One skill that I think is really useful is being able to 
just guesstimate with your gut what you should be reading when you uh, measure something in circuit. Um, sometimes you get lucky and you're like, oh, this resistor should be 100K and your meter reads 100K. But oh, because it, it, it's because it's hooked up to like the high impedance of like an op amp on one end. Right, right. right. But you don't always get that lucky. So no, um, it's nice. It's to- always going to be the value or lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. If you're getting the value, if you're getting higher than the value, something is wrong. So, so, well, I mean, that's a good gut check, right? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. They, they just, I, I, why were we reminiscing? There was something about the infinite resistor ladder. Oh, because it's one of the, it's like one of those BS questions that like that professors ask to like blow your mind. <laughs> it's and and. I, now I'm they have, it it's one of those like intro to limits too. Yeah. Because the whole thing with limits is like when one number goes to or one part of the equation goes forever, goes to infinity, right? Or goes to zero. Um, one number is doing that thing. So what happens to the other things in the equation, like the outputs? Yeah. And so it's one of those like introduction of limits in electrical engineering, I guess. But like everyone has that question or a very similar question. I and 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 I've seen it asked a bunch of different ways. In fact, I, if I remember right, maybe it was Dave Jones, maybe it was someone else who was talking about it where um instead of a resistor ladder, which you think has like a left and a right direction but it doesn't have a mm-hmm. y direction, what if it was like an infinite sheet of resistors? That, yeah, that's the one that I had in college. Yeah. Well, and that one starts to get a little bit more practical because if you uh, if you take your probes and you stick it in two uh, any two points on like a piece of foam, what resistance are you going to get? You if you if you think of collapsing uh, that piece of foam to uh, an infinitely thin sheet of resistors, yeah, sure, there's some applications with that. But yeah. the whole like string of resistors out there just to get you to do some math tricks to find that R is equal to two R or what you know yeah. something like that. It's like oh come on. <laughs> When again, it becomes op, uh, it, we uh, we just applied that same rationality to measuring the resistance in water. It's the same kind of idea. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. And now now you're in a third dimension as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, my big thing with that is, would what was the resistor was R over two R right for what the it ended up being for the infinite ladder, infinite grid, yeah. If, I I don't remember. It depends on. Yeah, like it depends. A bit. Some some of the, some of these questions are like infinite voltage dividers. Some of them are like the traditional ladder. Some of them are like squares of resistors. It depends on yeah. which one you're talking about. Yeah, it really depends. It's it's one of those. I should take a look at it and figure out. You know, if you just took R, right? Because like, usually it's between like the you're probing like right across to one resistor, and but there's this whole network of resistors. Mm. I can't remember how the, what the answer was to it anymore, but like how close if you just put R, what's the error there? Like a straight shot, because hmm. that's probably the answer to our like putting two you know, wires into like the ocean and, and knowing and knowing the resistance. <laughs> yeah. that, no, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, similar. it's sim- very yeah. similar. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. can you just go, what's the error between just using I'm the straight I'm going to Google what's resistance. the resistance of the ocean. 
from the top North Pole to the South Pole, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Negating the uh, resistance of the wires you have to carry to plug in your probes into the Earth. Oh God. <laughs> No, just use four wire. Oh yeah, you have to have wire sets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I wonder uh, if you. Nah, never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that route. Uh, it's uh, it's not the easiest thing to calculate. What? The resistance of the ocean. Well, yeah, because it depends where you put the probes at. Exactly. But if you have a predefined volume of water, it becomes a lot easier. Okay. I just wonder, I, I want. I need to do some research. I wonder how important that actually becomes, though. Like, if you make the distance really short, does that even matter? Can you just treat it as a straight shot? Like, what's the fall off? Yeah, oh yeah. There's, how do, there's, how a, there's they, a there's they, a nucleus cloud around here of current that passes through, and it falls off. Okay, when does that fall off become ten percent, fifteen percent? You know, one okay. percent. How about this? How about this? This might be the easiest way of 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 thinking about it. Let's just say you you took whatever wire you had, whatever gauge, and you clip it, and it's just a flat. It's just a cut end. And you put those cut ends some distance apart from each other. If you just consider the the the, um, uh, the radius of the wire as a straight oh, shot so to like the radius of ends. the other wire, yeah. it's just a cylinder in between the two. You could calculate that very easily, and just like assume that there's no fringing. It doesn't like go outside of that cylinder. It's just a straight well, shot. So, of what you're so you're trying to you're trying to calculate the exact number, though. So, trying like, to do we? really like i guess at the end is we're i guess we never put a tolerance on our voltage though that we're trying to find no 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 this voltage is very explicitly like it is one value <laughs> it's one there's value. no tolerance on this magic voltage on this island so no that's the thing is like what i think one thing we have to figure out is what are we going to consider is good enough on our voltage number like Half a volt, that's good enough for a USB voltage, right? If we're trying to charge our phone on a desert island and we need to know if this voltage source is somewhere within five volts so we can plug our phone in safely, then all we care about is plus minus five volts, uh, 0.5 volts, I should say. And then knowing that, you can figure out how loosely you can be on your homage on your calculation. I'm sure the way we're doing this is very loosey-goosey. Like we're not, there's yeah. no precision in what we're doing here. You know, you know, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with this, that, this scenario. You're trying to charge your phone. It needs to be plus minus half a volt for the USB standard. So how much error can you stand at every step? So 5.25 volt to 4.75 volt is your range you need to hit. Then, and let's just assume your volume, you're going to hit your volume number perfect. Let's just assume that. Because basically the moment it bubbles out of your container is you, that's when you stop your watch. So you yeah. hit your yeah, volume yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. plus we'll just assume that you're perfect on that and you're perfect on hitting your stopwatch at the right time too. What would your tolerance on your, well, at the we're not going to calculate this with five minutes left to this podcast. 
But oh for next week, we're going to stretch out this topic. <laughs> yeah, multi-week here. Yeah. Um, what is the tolerance on the homage and uh, needs to be? And then you can figure out, like, can you just get away with just doing a straight shot in salt water? Well, okay, so let's... So th- you th- would that, do that, a calculation you- for basically a infinite, like, you do the calculation volume, yeah. for, yeah, a big container, calculate that, and then just do the straight shot really close together and see would that difference in homage cause more than half a volt deviation? So just let's go back to the value that I had calculated for seawater, which was 1.8 K. If you only have five volts across 1.8 K, you're getting somewhere in the range of uh, 2.7 milliamps. How long would it take at 2.7 milliamps? Well, you're you're you said at the ends of bottles. Though. No, no, no. I'm just I'm talking no, 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 about no, just back up. Like all I'm getting yeah. at is just I'm trying to like just get an idea of like how long would it take how long at 2.8? Probably a very long time. Probably a very long time. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is put the leads really close together, drop that resistance down to yeah. like 20, 30 ohms, and let let it rip. <laughs> let it rip. I love it. <laughs> I mean, technically, you could make it your whatever uh, resistance you want if you have the ability to control the distance. Uh, maybe not whatever you want. But You'd have to measure the salt, and yeah, it starts to yeah, it starts now, to get that's, as that's you get closer, it starts to get crazier, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, so next week we'll come back with that uh, with a a tolerance on your homage and how close you'd actually have to get. In so many ways, I feel like this is such a roundabout way of figuring this out. But it uses so little tools. <laughs> yeah, I've been fun. I'm having a good time, like but it's also like real there's got to be a better way. The only real tool we're using is a stop, is a watch, the time it. Well, and our pint glass or liter or whatever it was. That honestly, that I think I think that could be any size, and I'm. I'm assuming because we haven't calculated yet on what the the tolerance on our homage would have to be. Like, could just sticking two wires in like a Coke bottle upside down, so it's like half an inch apart. Is it going to be safe to assume that the resistance is going to be a straight shot, so you don't have to do any crazy calculations on the on the homage? Yeah, is it seriously, like straight shot salt water. You know what is it like? Oh, I can't remember. It was like twenty. What was the straight shot of the straight shot of distilled water was like fifty k per centimeter. So yeah. of like normal, they called it normal distilled, which didn't make any sense. But like distilled water that you could make in your house by boiling it and then condensing it on a banana leaf. For example, it's got to be a banana leaf, dude. <laughs> got to be a banana leaf. <laughs> what is the radius of, say, twenty gauge wire? I'm see. I'm already. I'm already. I'm already thinking about um, figuring this out. Point eight one two eight millimeters. Perfect. All right, yeah. Well, we'll, I guess we'll 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 think about this more and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Now we have a tolerance. That's actually what we should have came up with like last week. 
<laughs> True. So you, you this, need this problem you need keeps evolving. <laughs> yeah. So you need to charge. You need to keep your phone charged because you're on a desert island, <laughs> and you need to be able to call the coast guard or whoever. You need to be able to call for higher precision tools. Yeah, higher precision tools. So so we're assuming. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be a cell phone. Basically, we want to have you. We need to make sure that this voltage is with is safe enough to plug a USB device into. Probably your phone to keep it charged, or like your phone's dead, so you need to charge it up. Yeah. And you like you open up this warehouse, and there's like a ginormous like wall of plugs that just says random voltage at the top. <laughs> right. You got to figure out what. You gotta figure out which one to plug into. Ah, oh, I like that. Yeah, you have to test all yeah. of them and and then figure it out. Yeah, this is very um like uh Monkey Island click point adventure puzzle. <laughs> right, I think that's gonna wrap up this podcast. I think so too. So uh, that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, Yes You Are Listener, for downloading and listening to our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or comments about our chemistry abilities, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. And check us out on Twitch. It is twitch.tv slash MacFab, 6 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays.